Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by our good buddy, Matt Pangrak. Matt is uh, not only a very accomplished tournament angler, but he's also one of the hosts of the very popular podcast, Bass Talk Live, or BTL, as a lot of folks know it as. Um, we have a great time. We talk about a bunch of different stuff, and um, you know, Matt was such a good guest that we had him on just from the beginning of the show, so um, he'll be on with us the entire episode, and we hope you guys enjoy. This is the moment where I'd have like a really adequate reason why um i'm so late to this i'd say something like well i have a lot of alarms in my phone and some of them are weekdays some of them are weekend alarms and i would say something like well i selected the like 545 alarm and those are only for the weekdays and i didn't catch that i didn't even do that it wasn't even just it wasn't said at all you thought maybe in your head that you said it or did you forget when you went to bed dude i think i had it set in my head but you know it's funny i slept like crap all night and it's the sleep where you know something's wrong like i probably woke up every hour and a half it's like do you ever when you want to go like for a tournament or something you can't sleep because you keep thinking you're going to sleep through some the alarm oh yeah night. oh yeah i hear that that's that's the worst man you know you've got to sleep early you got to get up early you know that hey i'm not going to get a good night's sleep and you just make it worse in your own head yeah that's every night for me my alarm was set for five i got up about four ten i think just naturally just i just couldn't sleep anymore well i know you were excited i would be too to talk to me but yeah yeah i talked about it before we started recording but uh we're, we're so bad in the mornings two of the last three podcasts rob has has stressed out and called me trying to get into his computer, trying to unlock his computer and get on Zoom. <laughs> the and most then basic Nick, stuff, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> like not, not, not like a little intricacy with Zoom or something, but like literally, you know, just, just getting just finding, to Safari. Yeah, finding <laughs> Safari on his computer. How does I turn this? Yeah. So hey, and we're recording now, so we'll just uh, start from this point okay. on. But uh, dude, it's funny, Matt, because like, dude, you're you've been a, a total hardcore fisherman your whole life, but. Dude, you've the role reversal here. You went from media to fisherman so big time in the last couple of years, dude. It's a, it's awesome, man. It's got to feel good. Yeah, uh, you can take the big time part out of it because I'm just I'm just oh, trying, tried tried to do it. But yeah, um, I realized that I kind of had a window and some things came together, and I had the, you know, either try it or don't ever talk about trying it again so was that burning for all those years in you dude when you were covering no, the tournaments i it, it really no it honestly i mean it, it it was always there but um i knew that you have the best shot of actually making it your career when you know you're ready to do it because with the way the setup is for the elite series, I mean, you literally can fish for six days with four of those on your whole bodies of water, make the elite series and go out and not be ready for it. And I've seen, I mean, like I'm covering it all. I've seen so many guys who it just destroys them. They don't even like really fish local tournaments anymore. I mean, you're like the exception because of how you grew up and you made it, you know, young and your first, everyone's like, who's this dude who almost beat Brent Chapman and throws an A-rig on Louisville. (laughs) But I mean, I think the reason, I mean, if you catch 18 pounds on Louisville, I think you're ready to go. But I mean, dude, you started guiding so young and all that, like you're, you're kind of the exception to the rule. So I wanted to make sure I was established and had something 
not to fall back on, but multiple revenue streams um, before I, I tried making money, actually, the fishing part of it. That's smart. So, well, that sounds way too planned out, man. I think you should just cannonball it. Well, He's I'm pretty calculated dude. now, and the plan was like, I always thought when I got into it that I'd be, be at the stage I'm at now when I was like 30. And part of me wishes that I had pushed it a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, I fished the opens in 2015 and, and like it, it was, oh my gosh, I'm fishing the opens. This is cool. Or, oh, I caught them. And then you go through the, the phase of like, oh, I, I caught them again in another tournament. I hope no one realizes that it was just dumb luck. And then you start consistently catching them. And then you realize like, okay, you're doing some things right. You figured some things out and kind of roll from there. So like, you know, when I kind of dabbled in it five or six years ago, like I wasn't ready, but it kind of showed me what I needed to do to get nice. ready. And I know I'm not ready still now, but yeah, it's just a, it's just kind of a process. You talked about like how it can almost break a guy if they, if they, you know, maybe make that jump too early and like financially for sure. Right. Uh, but also like, man, your confidence can get totally, uh, can get totally rattled and it can mess, mess with you as a fisherman moving forward. Is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, definitely. Like if you just go out and you just get strummed over and over and over, I've always said like the most mentally tough guys are the guys that can be on tour for multiple years, never contend for the win, not make classics. And you still see them in every meeting and they're just like, this is the one man, this is the one that I'm going to go out and crack them. And I mean, like, I, I think that that, I mean, that's so much mental strength, knowing that they have that much on the line and that it hasn't gone right. Every decision they've made hasn't been a good one. And then it's really cool to see some of those anglers. If you can survive, like you see some of those, those are the guys that are surviving. Those are the guys you should be interviewing about like mental strength and how to get in the right mind frame. Because if you like catch them and have that mind frame, you're like unbeatable. But yeah, there's guys who just come out year or two and it just, it kills them. Like, you know what it's like? Like it, we had a weird fall here. And I mean, there are some guys that caught them pretty good, but I'm like questioning my ability to catch a bass after like, you know, seven days at the Louisville open and go. And I'm like, man, I haven't caught a limit in like 14 days. And I'm trying to, trying to do this. Like maybe this it's, it'll humble you pretty quick. Rob, I mean, you know that you've been out on tour forever. Josh, you know that too. You still question like yourself sometimes like, Oh, I don't know if I'm here. I mean, like it's, it's, crazy and you guys are have been there and done that for decades i get into that with guide trips i mean you get to where like you should i feel like i shouldn't even be guiding people because you just can't get on fish <laughs> you know what i mean and then all of a sudden the season changes and you're in the spring or pre-spawn and you're catching them and it just you forget about those days fortunately so what do you, you do know? like when you go out you know like oh my god i've had three guide trips we haven't caught them the last three it's the exact same conditions like do you just like are you just like acting rob now where you're just like oh today's the day it's been tough but i think we're gonna make some adjustments do you not even let them know it's been tough or you act no, like I, shocked? i'm the guy that always tells them it's tough it like I want their expectations to be about zero. <laughs> I know that's terrible, but that's just, I've always been that way. And I'm always the guy that people would ask me how my pre-fish went and I'm like, Oh, I'm 
struggling terribly, no matter what. It's Rob's just how a sandbagger. I was. There it but is. But I didn't feel like I was a sandbagger. I just didn't want to be that guy that caught him in pre-fish and bragged about it. Rob, Rob, his buddy that he shares info with in pre-fish, he tells him no matter what that he's not catching anything. Stuff <laughs> right. out here, two, three bites a day. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I've been told is the best. Like, would you, like if I was going to draw Nick as a co-eckler, Nick's Ooh. like, dude, what are we doing? Are we catching him? Are we on him? I'll be like, listen, man. We're getting a bite here and there. It's it's pretty tough as a whole. I caught some on top water. I caught some dragging a jig in 40. I'll make you a sandwich. We'll just roll <laughs> with it and we'll see what happens. Anything, you know, don't bring a lot of tackle. Anything, you know, that that you don't have, you're welcome to have for me. Then Whoa. you put the butt seat in the back. You you really just get them confident and calm with limited expectations, and you, and you're just going to kind of just be along for the ride. The rest, dude. Of the I day. just want to draw you forever now that you right, offered the, me but, a sandwich. But the tackle. reality is, I'm cracking them. Oh, okay. I just I just don't want you like just buzzing, getting in the already boat, like, right. All right, That's we're a good point. All <laughs> these things, and then Ted casts in. Now you're discouraged. <laughs> now you're like, what the hell? Everywhere you see me casting, you're like, well, he obviously caught one there because he says he's cracking them. Yeah, Throwing the yeah. exact same bait as you all day long. <laughs> just every move you make, they just shadow. Yeah. Dude, it, so, I think you just cracked. You got onto something there. If you offer every co-angler a sandwich before they've backed your truck down in the morning, there's a good chance they won't, like, wreck it or scratch it or something, dude. If they know already that their, their pro is, like, making them a sandwich and has a chance at helping them catch fish, guaranteed smooth launch and smooth pickup at the end of the day right there 100 plus the reality is and maybe it's just because i've gotten lucky there's a lot of freaking awesome guys who fish out of the back of the boat yep. for a number of different reasons and yep. some of the guys that i talk to on a daily basis i like just had a gong show day with them and they were super cool and i i mean there's a lot, I mean, there's some crazy stories from guys who are co-anglers. It's not just guys who are like, oh, I'm going to go beat the guy out there. It's really cool to actually kind of get to know them, um, which you get to know your co-angler better when you're catching them because there's a lot <laughs> less like yelling and frustration. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, some of the some of the guys that I've met over the last couple of years, I mean, I still talk to on a daily, weekly basis, and they were just guys who jumped in the back of my boat and did it right. Nice. That's cool. So, so that's hey, Matt, some nice positive stuff. Uh, but hey while we're on that subject you're talking about backing uh, the rigs in the water and stuff nick like a little tangent what's the craziest thing you guys have ever seen a co-angler do to their boater's rig like have you guys ever seen a co-angler completely thrash the tow vehicle or boat <laughs> in the morning or afternoon of a tournament because i've got a couple i actually I'm, had yeah go rob i'm thinking i was so, about to say so I used to drive a Dodge and the Dodge key was like a fob and you'd stick it in into the console like a key, right? Right. And I had other keys hanging from that. Uh, well, I had a guide client go to get my truck. He insisted on going to get my truck and I completely forgot to, because I always pointed that out to him, right? He's not coming to the ramp. He's not coming. He's not coming. Finally, I put my boat on the dock and I go up there and this dude's trying to jam a key into my... <laughs> into my <laughs> steering wheel console it, yeah uh -huh. it was a nightmare dude it like screwed my truck up for, it did damage but it like it kind of figured it out after a while but it was like i was so afraid that he just completely destroyed my truck but so That's that was point a to the personal sign that thing says, tips are expected not appreciated right <laughs> but that's pretty good dude you, I, 
I've seen, uh, I, I like, you know, the, I remember it was at um, Havasu and uh, the state park ramp. And I remember seeing a guy completely just like, you know, the, the, the concrete stops in a parking spot, you know, like where you pull up to that's <laughs> that guy going around the corner and just take the dude's boat trailer. Like, like it was a jump in the X games and like, boom, boom. it probably didn't do any damage, but it was violent and exciting. The poor boater never knew. Yeah, never. After. He blew a tire on the way home yeah. and he's like, damn, these tires suck. His axles are all bent and his tires are inboard. <laughs> Matt, do you remember 2015 at Lake Havasu? What happened, dude? Well, you, you were there. Yeah, I was there. Do I remember what happened? With Van Damme, his trailer. Was that that wasn't the one where he drove to the tournament with all flats on his trailer? Was it? No, but and showed we've up got with to, rims. We've got to hear that next, dude. Uh, but yeah, so his his marshal was parking his truck and. Uh, I don't know why he was going so fast in the parking lot, dude, but he took a corner so short. He didn't swing out wide and Van Damme's boat trailer grabbed Jason Williamson's F-250 or F-350 and drug it several feet into the middle of the road in between the parking lanes. With a what? boat trailer? That's how That's how much momentum it had. It drug an F-250 from a wow. park. In See, park. That, was a, that was a Marshall who Van Damme had said, we're on him. We're going to freaking catch him. <laughs> You're going to get to watch me in action throwing a deep diving crankbait. And if he had just said, hey, I got a sandwich and I don't know if I'm going to catch him, he'd have been driving a lot slower. It's a sure, great example. Signaling, you know. <laughs> no, I don't remember example. that one. I remember at the uh, – the Arkansas River. Um, I believe it, yeah, it was at the Arkansas River. Van Dam got up and like someone had slashed his tires or something like that. Like not a fellow angler, like I think someone maybe pissed off about where he parked or something like that. And he just sent it. And when he got there, like he had no all like flat tires. And he backed the boat in, and they put new tires and rims and all the whole deal on his trailer when he went out and fished. But they were, like, all flat. Wow. He just kept rolling, like, to get to the ramp on time. Never stopped. Amazing. What are you gonna well, do? I mean, a wheel is a circle, so it should work fine, yeah. theoretically. Yeah. I had a crazy club tournament, though, that yeah. when I was at, in the Assumption Bass Club, they were down at Lake Egypt to start the year, and there was one of the – there's, like, a telephone pole with, like, a guide wire or cable that attached to the ground at, like, a 45-degree angle. And it was, you know, I guess just to stabilize it or something. And one of the guys went to park, and he got one of uh, one side of the trailer over the guide wire that attached to the ground and just kept driving. And before he knew it, the trailer was level and then above the truck. So the truck was like this, and then the trailer just rode up the cable to where it was like five, six feet off the ground. And they had to figure out, like, they all had to get underneath it, like lift the, actually, like, try to figure out how to lift the trailer off of it. I mean, the trailer was above the truck. It was uh, wild. Yeah. Hilarious. Josh, didn't you tell me one time about Van Damme that uh, he was, he uh, had a, a, a marshal um, driving his truck and boat or something. And he really had a hankering. Was it for donuts? And he drove his truck and boat through the drive-through and just like 
mashed all the landscaping with his trailer as he went around the corner or is that a it was a buddy it was a buddy that had fished with him back in the day and uh <laughs> yeah he he had to get coffee and donuts in the morning so he took it through the and i, I don't think he purposely uh did that to the to the uh right to the sure landscape or whatever flowers. but it was tight and he just like rode over the curbs like it was nothing dude like like my buddy couldn't believe like what he was taking his boat through and uh <laughs> It's like he did it all the time, man. It was no big deal. Pretty, pretty funny. Paul I just, cool as a cucumber. Oh yeah. I just did that in Dallas. So I was staying for the open with one of my buddies who was in the tournament. I was staying at his parents' house. So, but they were out of town, but they have six dogs. So it was me, the dog sitter and six dogs at his parents' house in Dallas. And, uh, I ended up like somehow, taking the alternate route that saved me 30 seconds instead of going around. And then I was confused as to why I was in the airport. And then I was confused as to how to get through it. And then I ended up in the compact car lane. <laughs> oh, lane. no, dude. I ended up in the compact car toll lane with my rig. Uh, and it was like, you know, coming home from practice one day, like 5.30, 6 o'clock. <laughs> and I'm looking at it like, I mean, I have, I can't not go in there now like i mean the lane that's like for people with trucks and stuff is like seven to the right because i mean it just opens up I mean, you guys know out there in on the west coast of massive highways and stuff and uh i ended up wedging the trailer in the compact car lane oh but the i concrete could, dividers yes where it <laughs> went down but i mean i knew that i could pro i i had no option like but i kept going and it just like rubbed the side of the <laughs> rubbed like one whole side of the trailer that's a beauty mark oh yeah like i mean it stopped and then i like had to hit the gas again and then it like kind of shot through and i was like oh my god small little it. burnout yeah so the whole rest of the week i was terrified to have to go back that route so i took like the alternate route but it was i mean, was it was, in dallas dude yeah i've had that happen in houston in the toll lanes and like when, like when I gave it gas to go through, I swear, you know how those concrete things mm -hmm. have like the lip? Yeah. I swear my boat kind of went up. Like thankfully oh. it didn't rub the fenders, but. Like that's probably what mine did too. It probably rode up a few Grabbed inches the yeah. over the deal. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, in Texas, they probably designed it that way on purpose, right? I yeah. mean, everyone I fishes. I mean, these were like know. cattle herding things. They were like three foot tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure these that are, they they kind of sp splayed out a little bit. These are reasons you don't buy a pro's boat. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Go for the weekend warrior, right. gently used. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, well, that that was pretty funny. Let's uh, let's take it back. So, Matt, you grew up in Illinois, right? Correct. That's is that the worst bass fishing state in the country? Um, bottom I, five. I don't know. I don't hear a lot of action coming out of like nebraska so it'd be probably <laughs> yeah and those corn huskers know what's up i'll tell you what it's not it's not the worst it's very difficult though like there's a lot of the problem the problem with illinois is there's a lot of smaller fisheries i think like shelbyville is one of the bigger ones outside of like the great lakes up north and then you get like really south and you have uh you have like rend and, and crab orchard, Lake of Egypt. You got some fisheries down there um, that have some good fish and some grass in it. But like that whole middle section, anytime a lake gets hot, you have every bass club from Indiana, Chicago, St. Louis, all coming to fish it. So, and then, you know, there's three to 5,000 acres 
uh, no. most of them. So it's cyclically good, like on two or three little lakes, and then they'll get beat up and stuff. But there's a lot of hardcore bass fishermen in Illinois um, that you don't think of it just because I, I remember what, like Chad Morgenthaler used to be uh, from Illinois. From yeah, he, he was from Southern Illinois. Uh, you probably don't even remember Doc Merkin. I've heard the name, and I think yeah. I've heard you he was mention like a the vet name before. Who wore like gold rim glasses out there? Nice. Uh, there's there's a couple of uh, uh, Illinois guys, you know, that are on the uh, FL, the Major League Fishing, the Pro Circuit uh, now, and that have kind of come and gone. But I mean, there hasn't been like a Van Dam or an Iconelli or anything from that, so I don't think it gets a great rap. But there's there's a lot of talent today. You catch a, it's one of those deals where like if you catch a limit, you're getting paid. Most so they're of the mentally time. tough. You're mentally tough fishermen yeah. if you grow up fishing there. Did you fish a lot of tournaments? Like when did you start fishing tournaments, man? Were you a teenager? Yeah. So this is kind of a funny story. So I was I got into the casting kids when I was 12, and I just went to like I mean I just fished like all all the time, and then went to the like fishing expo where they turn the ice rink they put the boards over it for a weekend and put the hog trough and you go and get all the deals and stuff and I was 12 and they had a casting deal there and I like won that and I got to go to like this state which was in a bigger show in Springfield and I was like "Ooh, I kind of like this and then my parents and stuff found out that you could go all the way to the Bassmaster Classic win a scholarship just for accuracy casting this is back uh I think like Helen Severe on Bass it was sponsored by Kmart and Wrangler it would have been 1998 so um anyway long story short the next year I like practiced like every day went ended up going to the Bassmaster Classic won the national championship casting kids and the the club that I qualified with the Assumption Bass Club like got a thousand dollars because a kid that they were doing their local casting kid with won the national championship so they were like hey uh one of the guys I remember, his name was John Schusler. He still still fishes. Dude's a beauty, man. He, he like unbuttons his shirt, four down with the gold chain and the chest hair. He's nice. awesome. Legit. Always dude. on him. <laughs> Always. He, yeah, he catches the crap out of him too. Anyway, this club is like your Harry and Charlie Bass Club. Like if someone catches them six miles down the lake in a marina the next year, that marina's off limits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they, they go at it, like, but they're all super good dudes, like super great dudes. They took me in as like a 14 year old kid. Nice. And that's when I started fishing. What was the original question, Josh? I don't even know. Yeah. Just like what age you started fishing. Yeah. Like, so I started, so I, that's how fishing. I started yeah. fishing on that. So one of the, the very first tournament I fished, you guys know the, the restaurant, Bob Evans, you ever seen it yeah. with the red roof and all that? Okay. So part of the deal in the casting kids was you could sign up for a youth tournament. So I signed up for the youth tournament. My first tournament ever, I drew this guy named Bob Evans out of Congerville, Illinois, who had fished in the Redman All-American and got a sponsorship from Bob Evans, the restaurant. That was the Bob That's Evans. That's pretty sweet. He, he, it, no, he was just a guy named Bob Evans. That's hilarious. Who then got a sponsorship from the restaurant Bob Evans to fish <laughs> oh in the Redman All-American. 100%. Wow. I threw Gorilla Braid on a uh, Zebco 33 reel there it with, is. with a Browning Vectra pistol grip that I went because I knew I needed Beauty. it. And we threw the Palmy, uh, the Palmy Special <laughs> Spinner Baits on Lake Shelbyville. We finished fifth place. That was my first tournament ever. And then the Assumption Bass Club guys were like, hey, they, get, they made me shirts, and I'd fish as a co-angler with all of them and just terrorized them for the first two Dude. or three years ever. 
that awesome. setup you just described is exactly what Rob still throws his spinner baits on today, except for he's throwing them on mono. Braid isn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't throw braid, but the pistol grip, you got, you know, that leverage and that feel in you. your hand, it's just unmistakable. Matt, these, the, these guys were wanting to do something with vintage lures and yeah. they decided they would just dig in my boat. <laughs> just go to Rob's boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because yeah, I, mean, I, I get trashed from Brett Height and Josh because I use lead versus tungsten. So. Do you use lead on any, any weights? Uh, yeah, do you use Matt? lead at all? Yeah, I, I was actually busting Josh's chops because you were talking to, I was talking to Josh about how he's led drop shot weights sometimes still, right? Oh, yeah, dude, pretty frequently, man. Yeah, and and you gave me a heck of a tip, and I've, I've, I've gone with it since, but uh, go I ahead, mean, sorry. in the live scope era, if you've ever noticed, like, your lure, and I'm like, why does your lure on the live scope always look as big as the fish? Well, it comes down to density. And ah. tungsten is so much denser than lead. It's so much easier to pick up your tungsten on your live scope. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand like the teeth drag and the sound and the smaller and all that. But for me, it's like the ability to, to see your lure and pick it up a lot quicker is, is one of the bigger benefits of, of the tungsten, especially on like a drop shot or something. Makes sense for sure. Hey, before we move on, I got to tell one more story about the first club tournament. That Please. I with the hey, the more the better. So we're on Lake Decatur. I draw Chris Bruner. It's probably like in a 18 foot ranger. And this is like one of those lakes, like I'm talking, like if you get three bites, it's you're spending your money before you weigh in. And uh, we're going down this row of bushes and I'm 14. He flips in black and blue salt crawl, which is what everyone threw back then, either black and blue salt crawl or producto black grape red glitter paddle tail worm you guys ever Ooh, heard of those wow. no rob has for it's, sure I, <laughs> he's still throwing them Dude, the producto plastics are the deal and he flips in fish takes his salt craw and i flip right behind him jack a two and a half pounder and go dude that's the fish you missed <laughs> throw like it that? in the box and <laughs> and he said yeah good job young this is this is a cool story for club wants to this, kill you no he, he was like super <laughs> congratulatory and i don't know any different. I'm like, dude, you missed the fish. I caught it. That's crazy. We go down a little further. He misses another one. I flip in there, catch another one behind him, come in with two. And I'm telling everybody at the weigh-in, dude, Christmas, two fish. And I flipped right in where oh. he was. And I ended up catching him. And it wasn't until years later. Um, and, I, and I've actually told this to guys for the assumption that I realized like, dude, that guy probably wanted to throw me out of the Oh, yeah. and i was 14 years old and i was so jacked up and he was so congratulatory i mean i think Big i got guy. third or fourth place with that that i still owe him because i mean i i was nervous like i couldn't back the boat up when i was that age and i brought three tackle boxes and i was hyper as all get out and if that dude had just like laid the lumber to me like what the hell are you doing blah, 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 i would have been like petrified to continue fishing that i'd have done anything wrong so like just the fact the way that he realized it and handled it like, yeah, I still, cool. like, that's probably why I still turn him at fish. Dude, he could have just turned around and looked at you solemnly in the eyes and said, no sandwich for you. And then just <laughs> yeah. turned back around and got back on the trolling motor and be <laughs> yeah. like, no. Yeah, he could have he handled that a number of different ways. And, I mean, honestly, like, do you guys think you would have handled it that way or would you have had, like, the talk? <laughs> I don't think we would have had the talk, honestly. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's hard to say, yeah. Yeah. He probably could tell that you were just young and had the fire. And obviously the dude was just smart and 
you know, cool enough to realize that exactly that. It's like, yeah, let him have his moment in the sun and he'll come around. Cause now here you are, right? Like you figured it out like fast that that's, you know, not the way to, to handle things. So it all worked out in the end. That guy's the sage, the wisest <laughs> sage in the club. Yep. Props that's to cool. that guy. That is a cool story, dude. Sounds sure a lot Larry of Hardy esque. Yeah. <laughs> a... <laughs> I wonder ahead, what Rob. Larry would have done, huh? Uh, Larry might have taught that lesson a little differently. <laughs> that was, that was our, our boy. The local club guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's funny, Matt. I mean, I think the, I think the local clubs like that are dying and uh, Josh definitely got his start in that. I definitely got my start many years prior to that. And you did. It's uh, it's now it's in onto the junior bass type stuff, which is these, those kids are going to have the same stories, but what we had were older guys taking us under their wing, which was pretty cool, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, I just don't see that as much nowadays. It's yeah. awesome that things are the way they are, you know, but like I heard this on a hockey podcast the other day and like there's so much access to info and it's so awesome that, that so many dudes are out to help the young anglers now that I could see it probably in some cases getting taken for granted. You know, like yeah. I remember being a 13 or 14 year old kid. If I could ride in a pro's boat for one day, I would have lost my mind. Right. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of those opportunities for kids now, you know, like, uh, you know, they, the kids that sign up for the junior bass club, they get, they get to do that 10 times a year, you know, go out with a local boat or a local pro and um, they get to meet, you know, there's, there's a lot of, just a lot of interaction. It seems like a lot more than there was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was that age. Do you agree, Matt? Yeah, I, I totally agree. The thing that I, I worry about with the junior and the high school clubs is the sublimated jerseys and the yes. questions where, you know, they're on the water for a day with Josh Bertrand. And I know you've come, come across this or they have your ear for a second and they want to know, how to get sponsors so they can fish more tournaments. Like growing up, like if, if I was on the water with a guy, we talked about fishing and catching fish and learning about that. And you not only have the kids, but you have their parents that are asking it now. And to me, like, if you look at, I mean, look at yourself, like you follow in, fall into this category perfectly. And I'm going to group you in with like, Justin Lucas and Brandon Polinick and uh, Jacob Wheeler and all of you guys, like you have crammed between 15 and 20 years old, you crammed years of experience into a single year to where you have guys who fish, let's say two weekends a year, all 12 months out of the year, three days a week. Like they're a hardcore tournament angler, you know, they're fishing 50 60 days a year which is a lot you're fishing 50 60 days in like a two or three month period so your time on the water is learning and you're focused on figuring out how to catch fish and what i'm worried with these young kids is they're not worried about how to catch fish they're worried about how to get sponsors so they can go fish tournaments and i don't know if it's just a change in times and i'm like becoming the grumpy old guy who's like well in my day we worried about catching fish but time on the water, learning patterns and developing that foundation that, that the, you don't even realize you have it. You just, you have, you grow this foundation over time. And the only way to do that is time on the water and fishing. Well, 
you can have the marketing foundation when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. You can go get a business degree. You can learn the business side of things. You can never get that time back where you're ingraining things over and over in your head fishing that you now take for granted to where the decisions that you're making, you don't even know why you're making them. It's that time on the water, that mentorship and learning from other people that is like that critical time when they're young. And I just hope with all the tournaments and, and exposure and stuff that that never gets lost, that they, they continue to focus on how important the fishing is. That's number one. I totally agree. I think all of us probably have the Absolutely. same sentiment, right? I actually think you just sound like a grumpy old man. <laughs> I'm going to take that option. <laughs> option B. Yes, right. Dude, it's, it's all about your hashtag game now. Yeah. Like, you know, bites are irrelevant. You just got to have the right filter and the right hashtag recipe for success. Hashtag yeah. game. Matt, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's if nothing else, these kids need to or younger people need to learn just to love fishing. And when you learn that, you can go on and, and do great things later on. But it's uh I I agree a hundred percent with you. But this is this is what kind of gets me. Like it, it, you you hear a lot of parents talk, and I said there's a lot of guys people parents i'm not have anything against junior bass masters or high school fishing like it's amazing and the yep, steps that is taken and i yeah. took advantage of everything that was in it but that being said everyone's well it's so expensive to do this i'm like is it is it really that expensive to learn how to fish you can do it with i mean in all honesty and and josh you have rod and reel sponsors you can do it with a hundred dollar combo couple hundred dollars worth of baits you're less than three or four hundred dollars in there's no entry fee to go fish ponds there's no time there's nothing like <clears throat> you you can learn how to catch bass without a bass boat without being on it you could learn like that's what i did i got dropped off at the rock springs pond and my thing was i had a cell phone where i call my parents if something got in trouble and it'd be all day, every day, the entire summer. And I've walked to the two or three ponds. I mean, that's how I learned the basis. Like you can get into it with, for not a lot of money. Oh yeah. And a lot of these programs are allowing that to happen more. Right. I mean, that's the cool thing is like with these clubs, like you don't need a boat, man. They have, I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's volunteer boaters that sign up and you can join these, these junior tournaments without having that boat in your family yourself which is is super cool but and that's even on the next level like where you're where you're talking is, is the super grassroots of starting out foundation that's it, man i mean yeah you can uh, absolutely do it with, without that so yeah it's uh, that's a, a bit uh, it's a misconception that i hate is like you have to be rich to have a future in fishing and have any yeah. chance to go pro and that's just not the case man i mean it of course man some more opportunities are given to you if you do if you're lucky enough to be in that situation, of course, but uh, you can grind through it. And, um, and same thing, you know, if, if you grind through it from that young age, it's, it's you're going to be more mentally tough and you're going to appreciate it more when uh, it actually happens. No yeah. pressure, no diamonds, right? You got to take that piece of coal and force it down into a diamond. No doubt. Um, so go right on. Go, was that Rob? I was just wondering what lies ahead for Matt this next season. What what are you planning on doing? Uh, I'm waiting for the open schedule to come out. I fished the, the central opens, which was four tournaments. And uh, I pretty quickly re realized that, like, if I wanted to really make a run at this, you got to fish everything that's available and give yourself as many opportunities. Yeah. Um, 
for a number of years, I felt like, you know, this thing is a pyramid that you're trying to get through. And you, you know, you look at guys like Josh and stuff, and it's just like, oh, you just go fish, you catch them, you're in it and you progress. And what you don't realize is like, that's the 0.001% of people who do that. And just like maintaining and hanging around is a level. And then you try to like compare yourself to all those guys. You have to realize, man, you have to do your own path. At, at, at your own level, at your own pace. So right now in the sport, I feel like there's such a bottleneck at that top. Like it's a, it's, it's kind of like an hourglass and everyone gets it. And, and that hourglass with everything that's gone on in the industry and as many moves and changes and, and economy that's going on now and, and jostling for sponsor dollars is like the pinch point is so narrow. Like I fish the Opus this year and you're looking at it and you're like, dude, I'm in the, I made the top 12 and like seven of these guys are legitimate touring pros with angler of the years and millions of dollars at earnings that you're, it, you're just like, you start going down the list of guys fishing opens and it, the field is just insane. So it, for sure it is. Yeah. So I, I see you got to give yourself as many opportunities. What I'm hoping, what I've been lobbying for on Bass Talk Live is that if they go back to the three divisions in the opens is to have the overall. And I think, Josh, you would agree on this. The more tournaments you have over a wide variety of fisheries, the more, the better the chances that your top anglers are going to come. You can survive a tank. One good tournament doesn't jump you into the elite series like it's a litmus test just like a regular tour season could across all conditions so i plan on fishing them all good good heck yeah dude and, and you had a great season this season you really did and you've been so solid over the last several years and all the events you fish like every time i talked to matt this year he of course was fishing those but he had <clears throat> you fished a tournament every weekend dude and a lot of big ones and you've done really well you've done really well uh, through the federation you know how many times have you been on the uh, and he, he's in oklahoma folks where the state where they have a lot of absolute hammers how many times have you been on the state team i think six or seven wow that's a ton Years. dude that's a ton for how many i mean how many guys are you competing against every year a hundred and that's the yeah, top they, five typically boaters? it starts out with seven about 70 60 or 70 guys uh boaters and then you know it'll be down to, to 50 by the last one uh just the way that we do the process <clears throat> some of the guys just don't feel like they can win one so they don't show up to the last one you do that four one-day tournaments then you take your best three uh best three scores and get to drop your worst but yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good guys who fish that Bass Nation. Dude, what's the uh, – so so we didn't really get to that earlier, um, and we're getting a little uh, short on time here. But um, So you moved to Oklahoma, what, 10, 12 years ago? Uh, <clears throat> Full-time 2008, but I moved there in 2005 to go okay. to the University of Oklahoma. So. Okay, so since college. what uh, yeah. What's the best lake in Oklahoma right now, man? We'd like to ask that, you know, for everyone. <sighs> best lake in oklahoma um it's a loaded question it's a private lake um <laughs> that dave smith owns right yeah that's <laughs> as long as you throw chatter baits on very specific rods right right <laughs> uh that i mean that's probably the honest answer there but uh public lake uh man there's a lake in oklahoma that doesn't get a ton of pr pressure or publicity just because it's the tours don't go there because they don't have to lake you follow. 
um, is phenomenal as far as you have everything that you want to do. You can go flip 20, you know, 12 months out of the year. You could drop shot in clear water. They have big small mouth. Deep, their spots are getting bigger, big large mouth on that. A lot of 14 to 17 pound bags, you know, a giant bag out there is 23 or 24, but just a really great place great lake to fish and then texoma is obviously on fire texoma is a phenomenal fishery it's is it in, in a good too. phase right now overall and it's, it's texoma, in a good cycle yeah, yeah. texoma is in a really really good cycle now really good cycle that's it's interesting a, it's See, i've been there a couple times right I, I've you never guys really have never hit answer. it you guys have never hit it when it was when it was dialed i mean you that's had the high water on the elite series that one year that was remember that that turned into a bush flipping deal and and guys who found rock stuff on google earth but it's just it hasn't ever been great when you guys have been there that makes sense i remember I like those tournaments oh go ahead josh no, go ahead nick i should say i like those tournaments when like the winning pattern is you're like deflecting a square bell off a park bench yeah. like you had to find the park bench next to an outhouse and you know what i mean you like could literally do it that tournament you guys yeah. finished there josh it was it was like eight feet high or something which is a lot for for that place I, i've got some crazy pictures from that event yeah it was so weird that and lakes got the mix but we were flipping a ton of like spots and smallmouth and, and when <laughs> when you're doing that things aren't normal because the fish weren't using the tip mm -hmm. like the smallmouth weren't on their normal rocks and stuff you'd be flipping bushes and literally all three species, you go down a line of trees and go large mouth, small mouth spot. And you're like, man, what the <laughs> heck is going on? This is, this is wild. Crazy. Um, well, Matt, dude, it's been awesome. We appreciate you get, uh, coming on. I know you fished a tournament at Table Rock. Did you win the tournament? And uh, No, we got, we got second. Justin okay. McClellan, Mike McClellan's kid, he, he practiced for like a month and a half out there. He's a total ringer. He went 18 the first day, 17 the second day. Jeez, and we went – 11 and a half the first day and then 18 the second day so we made what a was comeback. The tournament what was it? it it was just a little uh uh one of the uh uh companies that does like a lot of brand repping um and sales had they kind of bring their employees in once a year uh and there's only you know 10 10 employees 10 11 guys that came in and and they have meetings for a day and then they bring 10 of the guys that they sponsor in and have a like a hardcore like the practice day was like daylight to 5 30 and then the tournament days were 7 30 to 4 30 so nine hour tournament days 10 hour practice and, and we you they had a casting contest to determine like what in what employee like could pick their guys we were talking like jeremy lawyer brad hallman mike mcclellan three or four cool. guides on the lake so i was like i was pretty like nervous to go <laughs> just get it like handed to me like i was like these this is tougher than a 150 boat bfl so yeah. did dave draw the uh first straw to pick you or the last he, straw to he pick drew you, the dude? he drew the second straw but he was like hey what do you think and i was like ah it's like i mean it's a sandwich I mean, not i would go with one of the eight other guys but i mean i think we could catch a few fish so he picked right that's yeah cool, you guys man. You guys absolutely jacked them the second day. And those fish, and I saw them on Instagram. I can't believe how fat they were. Yeah, they were. Uh, uh, here's the crazy part. Like 50, 60, 70, 80 foot of water. Just nice. chasing bait and Damiki rigs and tail spinners and jigging spoons. and But that Ozark region, 
a lot of times like when you hook a spotted bass you'll legitimately think you hooked a turtle because they just they just go like this they just wiggle when they fight like there is no other way that they can fight they're so fat and their skin is stretched <laughs> so tight that they just kind of waddle in the water <laughs> that's all it is that's it's just hilarious. this little bitty wiggle and your rod is like rrr, 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 and then you see them and like if they're on their side they look like circles <laughs> they're living their best life right now yeah those those ozark spotted bass just get obese that's the only way to describe it like you're sitting there and you're holding it and you're like this is not a big fish because i mean they're they're it looks like a bluegill mouth and you put them on the scale and they're like 265 279 and you're like how is this thing like how does this work like physically how do they pack so much mass into such a little body seriously how much so do you had three spots on that second day and two large mouth is that what two, I saw? two spots and three large mouth dave caught like a 530 large mouth on a Demiki rig and you know it's 12 14 foot of visibility and you yeah. look down there and you're like do not lose that one <laughs> and then a couple Hilarious. three and a half pound and then then a couple of those big spots so yeah it's a it's a that's a freaking awesome lake that's a fun way to fish dude and, you know and we're going to talk about it more on, on upcoming episodes just spoon fishing and stuff like that but it gets deep fishing deep like that gets a rap for being boring but dude when you get on them like that it is not boring it is fun yeah, it was the deepest, the deepest that I've ever caught them. Eighty feet. Yeah. What kind of numbers? What kind of numbers were you catching? Uh, we went through probably fifteen keepers on the second day, and probably eight or nine on the on the first day. Um, but I, I think we could have caught some more. But it seemed like the bigger fish were had kind of slid up in that forty or fifty footer range, and we would basically just hunt bait balls. And whenever right. you'd see a bait ball, there'd be one or two around it. So instead of sitting on a school that was kind of positioned out there, these fish were actively just roaming randomly, you know, chasing the bait. And then you'd see one and pitch out to it. And about one in 20 of them would eat it. Oh, awesome. That's cool. Uh, well, hey, man, uh, I know it's been a long night. It's an early morning. So thanks so much for coming on. Before you go, can you just talk real quick about, uh, or as quick as you want, about Bass Talk Live, you know, what, what you guys have coming up? I know the listeners probably all listen to that. Half of them came over because you told them to, <laughs> to come listen to us. But uh, talk about that and then where, where everyone can find you. Yeah, Bass Talk Live, been doing, it's a podcast that uh, Mark Jeffries and myself have been doing for, what, 12, 13 years now. Jeffries been in the industry for the better part of 25 years. Uh, do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. May have a few more shows coming up, but uh, 8.30 a.m., uh, you can watch it live uh, on YouTube or uh, the replays are on all of the uh, podcast uh, platforms. But it's just us kind of talking uh i like yours because you tell, tell like so many cool stories behind the scenes the guide stuff this kind of dives into the business side of the uh, professional bass fishing industry covering the bpt elite series flw or I keep saying flw i do the mlf too. mlf pro circuit it's like the washington football team the mlf pro circuit um so, you know, that's, that's kind of our gig, uh, over there. And, uh, you can, you guys have fun too. Like, I don't want to kick yeah. it off, but they, they have a real good time with it. It's, it's very entertaining. Thank you. So I enjoy doing it. So it's, it's amazing to watch you guys, uh, grow and what it was from the beginning and, uh, what you guys have going on now. It's, a, I was just telling somebody who's like, well, you know, I only, only listen to, uh, you know, like BTO and a couple others. And I'm like, 
you listen to Angler's Happy Hour? He's like, what's that? And he just like pulls his phone out and he's like, I'll listen to it now. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, so appreciate that. It's, uh, it's a, have three you listeners. guys have a great, <laughs> no, you guys have a good thing going. Like I, I, you could look at it, your comments and you're growing and your numbers are growing and uh, hope you guys stick with it for a long time. Cause it's a, a very easy, easy listening podcast. Like, you know, like here's, here's how I judge it. Like if you're going to get gas or you're getting home and you're like in your car until that segment is over, man, you've got them. And I've done that numerous times where I just pull up and I'm waiting until Nick's done with the story or Rob's done with the story or Josh, you're done explaining something. That's a good podcast. Thanks, dude. dude that we're not worthy. That's a, yeah. Huge compliment. Uh, and thanks. And how about where, uh, where, where can they find you, dude? What, uh, what's your ha- handle on Instagram, Facebook, and stuff like that? Um, just at Matt Pangrak, M-A-T-T-P-A-N-G-R-A-C. I pretty much do uh, Instagram uh, exclusively. I don't, I don't really even have a LinkedIn. Facebook is just where. Where do your uh, videos go? Stuff. Yeah, so that goes on to the uh, Bass Talk Live uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so you can just search Bass Talk Live and then Pangers 2020 videos where I kind of do a recap of, uh, uh, you know, I film all the opens and stuff and then put put all the videos out for that and then some other random stuff. So I think you got 15, 20 videos from this year that we'll do and then kind of revamp and changing things for next year. So Nice. Awesome. Well, anything else, guys, for him before we let him roll? Yeah, Matt, you need to uh, come out west. I I still owe you a fishing trip to repay you for the one you took me on. Yeah, that was Jared ago, Miller. So. I was just the third wheel on that deal because Miller always been like, yeah, Miller always been uh, wanting to go out there. But I, hey, I will take you up on that. Just be, I mean, I know I'll be honest. Like you said earlier, if I get out there, okay, we're not going to catch him today. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard too many stories of, of you absolutely smashing them. So I would, uh, uh, yeah. I would love it. It sounds like some of those lakes out there that, that you guys fish are really fertile in a really good phase, a really good cycle right now with some of the uh, water that you guys have flowing through the system. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. What would be cool is if you came out and fish Parker strip with us, uh, yeah. that'd be a lot of fun. So a lot what of is it? Mount. Parker strip. It's right below Havasu. Really? It's um, moving water and big smallmouths, so it's a lot of fun. You can't go wrong with those. I'm gonna, Matt. I'm gonna be watching Southwest for you, dude. Next time they do a sale, I'll buy the ticket, and yeah. uh, you can come out yep. and stay with one of us for just two days. We'll we'll yep. run over there and do it, and uh, and and it won't cost you anything. You just come out and fish with us for a couple of days, and then we'll we'll ship you back. Great plan. Let's do how, it. How do I say no to that? Exactly. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Uh, yep. Nick, I also, like the, also, uh, also, I want to say I'm a huge fan of BTL and definitely rooting for you to do well in the opens next year. So, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know. I, I I find it weird that everyone's like, "Man, we're rooting for you and stuff." I think part of it is because there's a lot of like stuff that I don't know, and I say that I don't know it. Like, like it's so easy to be like, "Oh, you know, you're in the opens and stuff." The reality is, man, you can fish the opens if you pay an entry fee, and there's a big learning curve there and what i hope to see is that man you can have success you can fish it and you could still not know everything and you could still be like dude this is a giant learning curve um but thank you for the support and i, I appreciate it and uh it's fun we'll see what happens next year every year i'm like well crazy stuff can't happen like it happened last year and then you're like oh crazy stuff is happening again this year so i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in 2021 you need to I get can't. back into it dude like you need to what 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 would t- what would it take for you to get back into it? I don't know. It'll maybe someday, but it'll be a while. 
Now it's his hand. Now it's his hand. He's been faking this hand injury, (laughs) dude, for the last month and a half. And uh, I get my cast off on on Monday, so we'll see. You you roll fish a division of the opens. Nick fishes it as your co-angler. There you go. You split expenses. Now you've got Josh fishing it. Now you've got a plethora of other stories for you two for the podcast. You can write it all off as a business expense because of Angler's Happy Hour. You True. can do stuff from the road. And now you've spread the joy. You've introduced tons more people at your back in it. Nick has great stories from the road. It's a win-win-win. Nick, you down? Keep the pressure on. Uh, yeah, I would be down. Do um, I'm going to need to uh, change my living situation a little bit. I think the single wide out in the hills is calling in order to uh, fulfill that. <laughs> Dude, Matt, next time we have you on, which I'm sure it'll be soon, didn't have time to do it today, but people of your caliber, what I always need from you is the the best juice on Josh you can give, man. I want like he's so polished he's so perfect he's got going on dude Dude, you gotta give me like you gotta we can't do that there is no next there is no juice he's seriously like it is like i told mike mcclellan i was like oh i'm gonna be on angler's happy hour he goes with with josh and i said yeah and he's like man that that that's a solid guy right there i really like that guy like there's no one ever that's like oh you know josh let me tell you about the time like that doesn't exist they're out there matt trust me dude they're not you're in the press so you need to dig up those stories matt that's your challenge and assignment we need the juice on josh because the eye roll he's he's got to have a flaw somewhere i've known him since he since he was a rookie on the Bassmaster Elite Series, and he's never missed a beating. He's always been on time. He always follows through. It's, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, I didn't hear him say a curse word till three years after he, I knew yeah, him. He doesn't, dude. Like, you got to catch him on a bad day. I'm going to have uh-huh. to do a confession episode here, and everything's <laughs> yeah. going to come out. And you guys afterwards are going to be like, oh my God. We'll just like slowly and quietly close our laptops and be like, okay, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Well, hey, uh, it's a good time. It's a good time to cut it before something does come out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. they, Matt, thanks again, dude. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, can't wait to uh, see you soon, man. I, uh, I really want to go catch some crappie with you this winter. Hey, yeah. yeah, like I said, you got the open invitation, Rob, Nick. Good to talk to you guys. Actually, yeah, uh, in person, and be on the podcast. Big fan of the show. So, yeah, Josh, let me know when you're coming out. We'll go. We'll go try to catch a three-ton crappie. All right, bro. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. See ya. Thanks again for listening to the show, guys. Matt was an awesome guest, and as always, we just really appreciate you guys tuning in to listen to us shoot the breeze every single week. Hope you all have a great week. Hope you're having a great holiday season, and we will talk to you next Monday.